live from the ESPN 690 and Adjar Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Welcome in on a Friday from TPC Sawgrass. Doesn't get much better than this. If you take a sneak peek at our Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch feeds, the video portion, you'll see a beautiful day here at the stadium course. And we are right at the, well, epicenter of really this tournament. 16, 17, 18, right behind the tee box on the 17th hole. And we are days away from the Players' Championship 2022 and expecting big crowds, back-to-normal-type crowds. Two years ago, a pandemic started uh, in the next week, and now it feels like we're somewhat clear, if not uh, mostly clear, uh, at least when it comes to sports, that uh, full capacity and uh, back-to-normal sense, certainly here at the Players' Championship in Ponte Vedra coming up in uh, another fantastic field here at TPC Sawgrass. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane making his way back here. It's probably a little longer of a walk than he thought. Uh, and so uh, I see him arriving. And uh, Brian Middleton back in the Action Sports Shack Studios here on a Friday. Once again, Casey Kurtz getting married this weekend. So best of luck and congratulations to Casey and his new bride-to-be, at least, uh, Amanda. On Sunday, they will formally be married up in uh, North Carolina. So good for them. Hey, the big news today, Amari Cooper could be available. Hello. That got me excited, Brian Middleton. Did it get you excited? I'm saying. I was like, okay, we're working with something. We got the money. Let's do it. <laughs> That's You know, when you have the money, everybody's exciting, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, that's part of it. And I think, first of all, he's a very good player. And the, uh, you know, the resume's good. I think it's four seasons over 1,000 yards. He can beat you in a game-breaking mode uh, with his speed. He's, he's a, a polished guy. Uh, the uh, Cowboys obviously gave big bucks to Amari Cooper and now have some issues. I think they're like 21 over, 21 million over the salary cap. And are they going to re-sign Gallup? What are they going to do uh, with some of their other players? And uh, it looks like Amari Cooper could be a casualty of that. So... Uh, Murray Cooper could be available. Now, doesn't mean he will be available, by the way. There's a really good chance the Cowboys are letting that get out there and seeing what they can maybe gather in a trade and try to get something for him instead of just releasing him uh, on the start of the uh, new NFL year, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, but it's definitely intriguing because the Jacksonville Jaguars have draft capital and they have money. And when you have those two things, if you want a player, you can get a player. So... Uh, it'll be really interesting to see how the Jaguars look at this situation and if they could be a player in this situation. Considering top-flight wide receivers the Jags might be looking for, either in the draft or in free agency, Mike Williams is going to cost a fortune. Uh, he could be the hottest guy on the market because Devontae Adams could certainly be franchised. Chris Godwin coming off the injury or could be back with Tampa. So if you look at all those scenarios... Man, you love it when another guy hits the market. That's the beauty of this. 
with uh, Amari Cooper potentially being in play for the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, here in this offseason. So, um, or as the season begins, the league year begins. Austin Lane made it. I always wonder if he's going to find I saw you asking for directions over oh, there. Oh, no, no. I was no. trying to flag it down. I was no, waiting I wasn't. for you. I was like, come on. Did you see me talking to the guy? I did, yeah. No, so supposedly, I don't know if it was one of you guys, but somebody left a, a, like a microphone in there from doing a story. Oh, really? And he's like, do you want to come get it? So. Yeah, he's like, do you want to come get it? I'm like, I, I wasn't in there. I don't know. So it was a little confusion there, but we're all good uh, okay, now. Okay, good. Yeah. I'll text Marcel. It's for yeah. Marcel's right there. He's he's uh, working on a story we have going for tonight on TVM, uh, CBS 47 and Fox 30. So, cool. Um, yeah, no problem, Marcel. It yeah, might have yeah. been Marcel. It might have been Marcel. It might have been somebody completely different. Yeah, I have no idea what's That's going nice. on. Uh, yeah. Hey, Amari Cooper, baby. Yeah. I'm not mad at it. Are you? Not, I mean, does it get you excited? Is that is that a playable thing? Is that somewhere the Jags would be more interested than maybe breaking the bank even uh, for Devontae Adams or taking a risk on a Mike Williams or a yeah. risky knee injury? Chris Godwin coming off. Uh, is is it a safer play so, to go after a guy like Amari Cooper? To me, the, the biggest risk of Amari Cooper when he was still on the Cowboys, I mean, he's still on the Cowboys technically, yeah, but the yeah. rumor is they're going to release him, um, is what it was going to cost to get Amari Cooper, right? Because... I mean, he, he's still considered, I think, a one around the league. Now, if you look at Dallas, they're constructed a little different. You, you do have C.D. Lamb. Um, you do have Gallup when he's healthy. So, like, their defense or their offense works a little differently. But since you can get him right now, just basically the price tag, you know, of just throwing some money at him, not in the sacrifice any kind of draft capital, I think Amari Cooper is definitely um, a guy that should warrant some attention because you talk about upgrading your wide receiver room, he can, you know, when, when, when he's healthy. Um, he can be a deep threat. He's a great route runner. He's kind of a jack-of-all-trades, if you will. That's what the Jaguars need. And most importantly, he's a bona fide one receiver. So I think if, if it comes at the right price, even if you got to spend a little more to get him, I think it's definitely worth taking a look at. Well, listen, I think what would happen in this situation is there's two ways to go about it. Do you trade something just to give him something just to get him and get the right so you don't have to go into uh, a, you know, a battle yeah. for the services of Mario Cooper if he becomes available. How many other teams are going? I don't know. I mean, listen, there's only so many teams that can afford $20 million wide receivers anyway or need them. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, it's not like every team in the league is going to do it. But I would imagine you could have a chance to have some uh, uh, competition for that. So do you eliminate the competition by making a trade? Well, the Jags do have like four sixth-round picks. Yeah. I really don't care about sixth-round picks. So if it took one of them or something like that, just to say, hey, we want to be able to get Amari Cooper. And then what I wonder is, like, do you rework the deal then? Do you make it a longer deal for Amari Cooper? Mm -hmm. Do you throw some more money? Is it a chance for him to make more money, make him happy right away? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know how that stuff works and, and if uh, that's the case for him. Um, or he just gets released and then it's a no-holds-barred free-for-all after guys like him, potentially Godwin, Mike Williams, Devontae Adams. But like I just said, if you load the market up with more receivers, at least there's a better chance you're going to get one. Well, but it is a smart move by the Cowboys, too, because if they're for sure that they don't want him um, kind of floating this out there in the airwaves, it, it, it kind of creates a little demand, I believe. And to kind of echo your point, I mean, the Jaguars have a lot of money to spend. But you have to ask yourself the question, Amari Cooper, where he's at in his career right now, what is important to him? Because he has made some money, now keep in mind. Oh, yeah. Right? So, um you know, I think it was smart by the Cowboys. I mean, at least we think it was the Cowboys that put that out there. I, I assume so. It's from the organization. Um, it wasn't Cooper's people that did this. But that kind of garners a little more interest where it's like, all right, well, what do you want to give us to guarantee you can get Mari Cooper? Because if he does hit the market, yes, the Jaguars have a lot of draft or a lot of salary cap, um, you know, benefiting them. But at the same time, he still has to want to come here, right? It's going to be his decision. And there's going to be other teams, I think, that are interested. Now, you got to keep in mind as well. 
the way this dra the, the draft might shake out, there might be some stud wide receivers, so that might knock the price. <laughs> yeah. no, seriously, that's so that could, yeah, that's true. It's so that could knock the, so that can knock the price down a little bit as well. But I think if you if you give up, you know, the right thing, which is maybe like you said, a fifth round pick. I mean, even a fourth round pick, I wouldn't be too concerned over. I think if we start getting one, two, or three. Now I'm starting to question yeah, it a little yeah, bit yeah. because he will come with the price tag as well. Yeah, listen, I don't want to go over the moon about uh, Amari Cooper. I, I'm not saying he's Jerry Rice. But 1,000 yards in his rookie season, 1,100 yards in his second season, fourth season, 1,000 yards, and two out of the last three years in Dallas, 1,000 yards. He has not always been healthy, but he has played hurt. Mm -hmm. He has toughed it out. Uh, so you got to give him credit for that. Plus, his numbers could be even better if they didn't have so many weapons on the Cowboys, especially. I mean, they got to share the, the pigskin around a little bit. Yeah, but then, you know, it's kind of the catch-22. The other side of that is, well, does he get open sometimes because there are so because many weapons? What, 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 you know, what happens if he comes to Jax? Well, now all of a sudden, maybe he's getting double-teamed. Now all of a sudden, he's getting more attention towards him. Yeah. How can he produce? Uh, so, and uh, by the way, in his career, six, five, seven, seven, six, one, eight. Five, eight touchdowns. Actually, that six and one was a combined year. So, um, eight, five, eight. So, I mean, he's never had less than five touchdowns in a season. If you give eight touchdowns to a Jags receiver and over a thousand yards, by the way, that instantaneously puts him into the conversation uh, behind Jimmy Smith and like Allen Robinson. And Allen Hearns had one of those big years too. Mm -hmm. Like boom, just like that. Yeah. Uh, Keenan McCardell, by the way, too. So, I mean, the Jags have until Allen Robinson came along and Allen Hearns had that big year too. The Jags went like 10 years without a 1,000-yard receiver. It was 2005 since Jimmy Smith. So, again, like this has been a problem, although the Jags have been better at receiving. Now D.J. Chark even going to a Pro Bowl, and I should add his name in there too, but certainly not the consistency. At, at, at right now, D.J. Chark's career is a, basically a one-hit wonder. Um, unfortunately, now I think it could get better, but that's the way it, it plays out on paper. So, again, I don't want to overvalue Amari Cooper, but I do think – potentially it gives a guy like Trevor Lawrence another option if they want to go that route, if they want to spend big. If you don't think you're going to get Devontae, if you don't want to take the chance on Chris Godwin, if Mike Williams leaves you, eh, how about this? Mike Williams, big contract, or Amari Cooper, big contract? What are you taking? I'm taking Amari Cooper, big contract, because in terms of consistency, I think the advantage goes to Cooper. I think in terms of the ability to run the – more of the route tree. I think that's a advantage of Amari Cooper as well. And in terms of a deep threat, yeah, Williams might have him beat there, but I think it's pretty close. Yeah, so I, I think that's that's interesting to look at itself. All right, you just mentioned something. Could some of these veteran guys that are going to cost a lot of money, could they maybe the market not be as wild for them because there's going to be so many receivers that, first of all, can fly, yeah. but that might be really good. I told you yesterday, I think I heard somewhere, 25 receivers in the first three, four rounds of the draft mm -hmm. that are, like, capable to go in the first three or four rounds. I'm not saying that's what will go. Yeah. That'd be kind of a lot of receivers, but you never know. Um, and then we saw the speed in the 40 times yesterday. And it's like, whoa, here we are again, right? We're like 40 times. Everybody runs fast. But when everybody runs fast, you're like, wow. Yeah. And that's what everybody was like yesterday. I mean, Olave, I did not know, had that kind of speed. Yeah. Uh, now I think officially the NFL clocked them at like four three nine. Well, there was something going around at four two six. I don't know how there can be that much of a disparity. Well, but. and that was the thing too, because the, the cat from Baylor that supposedly broke the record comes out and he wasn't even close at the end. Yeah, you know, I know. It's like I, I don't know if that was more. See, to me, like I'm putting the tinfoil hat on here. I don't know if that was more of trying to get people to tune into the combine. So like they made up all these numbers and all some people are tuning in. And it's like, oh, by the way, he didn't really run that. I don't know what the what was going on there in terms of uh, of the timing issue. But, yeah, I mean, it was a little disappointing because, you know, I mean, there's still obviously fast numbers, I believe. Nine players ran underneath a 4-4, which is ridiculous. 
Um, you know, shout out to my dude from North Dakota State, uh, Christian Watson, who I really liked. We talked about him before a little bit. Ran a 4.36. He just made some money for himself. But it goes to show you that, you know, the heck, the, the, the top ten guys um, in this draft class at the wide receiver position, they have speed going for them. And, and that's what, I mean, and I get it. It's, it's more than speed. We talk about Devontae yeah, yeah. Adams. talk about uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Cooper Cuff. Cooper Cuff. It, it is more than speed. But that gets teams excited. Right, because that's where the NFL is going. It's going to vertical threats. It's going to getting guys the ball in space, and it's going to you know getting the ball to your playmakers by any means possible. And if you have that many athletes, that many guys running like that, I do think it's going to hurt the Freedom class a little bit. Set aside from Devonta Adams, who I think will get whatever he wants, just yeah. because he is probably the best wide receiver, if not the second best wide receiver in the league. And by the way, that could be a good thing too. I mean, the Jags could pick somebody up. You know what could hurt? Could hurt a guy like DJ Chark. Could hurt his market. Could hurt Allen Robinson. Could hurt Allen Robinson. Yeah. But, well, more with Robinson because he's not a speed guy. Mm -hmm. But more with Chark because if there's less people available, it's a supply and demand thing, then that's going to drive the price up for DJ Chark. And your risk on the talent because he can run. He's big. He's had a Pro Bowl year. You're like, okay, I think he could do that again Mm -hmm. and again and again. He's going to hit the prime of his career. Well, it takes the market a little bit away from a guy like that because, you know, and I'll just go roll the dice. I can get DJ Chark again in the second round. Or you have these big top-flight receivers that you could put money on instead. So it will be a fascinating market yeah. now for the receivers. What I mean, the Jags could seriously, in this kind of scenario, end up with a guy like Amari Cooper and a second-round wide receiver that can fly, and they could change speed on their team like that. Yeah. The other thing about speed and what we're talking with the 40 times is it is just another exclamation point, and Urban Meyer was not wrong here. This team lacks speed. And while the NFL is getting faster, while the college game is getting faster, while the world is getting faster, the Jags were not keeping up with the times. They were not getting fast enough. And that's pretty evident, but they might be able to fix it in one offseason. Yeah, I mean, when you think of speed, you think of your, your skill positions first, right? And I think that was probably the biggest discrepancy this year on the offensive side of the ball is when you had guys like Marvin Jones, guys like LaVisca Chenault, DJ Chark for a little bit until he got hurt, um, guys had trouble getting open. Now, that's a combination of obviously agility, route running, but also speeds involved there. And in terms of a deep threat, you felt like once DJ Chark went down, you really didn't have a consistent deep threat, um, you know, week in and week out. And, and that's huge, especially from a developmental quarterback. I mean, if you look at what, uh, you know, what Joe Burrow has had with Jamar Chase now, uh, with T. Higgins, who's also a deep threat. If you look at what Justin Herbert had his rookie year, when he had like a Mike Williams, when he had a, a Keenan Allen, who's a little, a little more of a, of a possession receiver, a little more of a slot guy, a route runner, but still, you know, is dynamic enough to make defenses guess. That helps the quarterback. And, and Trevor Lawrence, unfortunately, didn't have a lot of that last year. If he had anything, he had a lot of guys dropping balls and, and making um, his job as a quarterback that much harder. So, yeah, I mean, kicking LaVisca Chenault, you know, rebound from last year. Can you put him in different formations, exotic looks? Absolutely. Can Marvin Jones bounce back from last year? Can he be more of a two-receiver threat like he was in Detroit where maybe some of the tension's off him a little bit? And can he get back open? Absolutely. Can DJ Chart come back in here um, if they bring him back um, and kind of have a, a resurgence like he did when he went to the Pro Bowl? Absolutely. But the one thing missing right now on this offense is the speed, is the deep threat, is that threat that's going to keep the safeties in check, uh, the cornerbacks in check. And you look at the combine, you look at a few guys in free agency, that's up for grabs this year. I don't know where I saw uh, Something made me um, think about it. Oh, I was watching it. They played like the Dolphins-London game um, this week at like midnight. <laughs> and uh, I was in the hotel in Indianapolis, 
and all of a sudden that came on because I had like NFL Network on. Okay. And uh, and first two plays right out of the gates were Jamal Agnew, and I'm like, man, I haven't really thought about Jamal Agnew very much, but he really did flash last year at the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. Like he made you think about it, and I'm not saying, listen, all the Jags will ills are cured with Jamal Agnew, yeah. but I also say, hey, don't forget about that guy. You certainly want him in the return game, right? And Maybe he can still contribute. What's crazy about the thing, here's what happens. When you add one, like if you just added one, and I know we want like two and three and everything else, but if you add Amari Cooper, then all of a sudden you're like, hey, Marvin Marvin Jones and LaVisca, you know, in the domino effect at where they're at rather than being one, two, three kind of guys, where they fall to, you're like, hey, that's not bad. Like you might have some depth. Now, like Jamal Agnew might be your fifth guy. Well, you know what I mean? Well, and see, the way I look at Jamal Agnew, obviously he got thrust into a role last year that he wasn't really accustomed to. Um, definitely a, a smaller guy who, you know, he took some shots and unfortunately uh, took the wrong shot at the wrong time. But, like, I look at what Doug Peterson did with Darren Sproles. Like, Darren Sproles has a lot of similarities to Agnew in terms of, you know, special teams guy, but also can be weapon X in the backfield when you need him to. But the key phrase is when you need him to. I thought Doug Peterson, towards the end of Darren Sproles' career, when he was getting up there, did a good job of, uh, of selecting his battles when you're going to use him and when you get him off the field. Eagles fans would have loved to use Darren Sproles every single play because he still had a lot left in the tank. He was still dynamic, but there's always the risk for injuries when you have smaller players. I think Doug Peterson sees Jamal Agnew and says, I can do a lot of the things that I did with Darren Sproles, but i got to know when to pick my battle. So I, I'm all for Agnew getting opportunities on offense, whether it's in the slot, in the backfield, but you got to use them wisely, and I think you have to use them sparingly as well. Let me ask you one other thing. I've been, I, I think DJ Chark, see, I'm stuck on DJ Chark a little bit because I find it very interesting that Bulky and Peterson can talk this week and really set the tempo and narrative about keeping guys to their second contracts mm-hmm. and then let, like, two guys walk. Cam Robinson, DJ Chark, that have played pretty well at times. Like, they're, they're not bad players, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Now, are they very good players? I'm not sure. Are they worth – did they earn another contract? I'm not sure. I think that's debatable. But, I, like, in my mind, I'm wrestling with this idea and concept of, okay, can you just let DJ walk? And I'm really concerned about – you know this. I'm a little paranoid in this sense, and I don't really get paranoid very often. But I am pretty paranoid about the idea that Chark is going to walk and then go have, like, two Pro Bowl seasons in the next three years. Yeah. Because I think he's a pretty talented guy. Uh, things haven't worked out yet other than the one year. But he's young. He's got a good skill set. Uh, I mean, I just feel like, look out. He, he could just be well, about to bloom, I and this, I don't want that to walk. No, I felt the same thing about Allen Robinson, though, as well. Yeah. Now, A-Rob didn't do it last year, but the other years he's been pretty good. I mean, he's been pretty good, but like, uh, in terms of, like, I thought he'd take, like, the I mean, I don't know. Do you think his best season was with Chicago or Jacksonville? Oh, that's good. I, uh, yeah, I guess his best was he had a 1,400-14 touchdown season. So you're yeah, right. I mean, yeah. he, he no doubt he had yeah. – that was his best season. Correct. Yeah. Um, but I do think he was still – like his first two years, I think it was in Chicago, I was like, yeah. oh, no, that guy, I'm not, you know? No, I'm, I'm definitely not knocking him by any means. He's still a hell of a receiver, very talented. But I'm just saying, like, I expect him to even take another step because, like, all right, you get him a real quarterback now while we go into Chicago. Yeah, yeah. And, you know how that, that they did. <laughs> no, no, that's what I'm saying. He went to <laughs> Chicago and he didn't really have that there. So that took away from him as well. No, I absolutely get what you're saying in terms of Cam Robinson and DJ Chark. Um, I feel it more about DJ. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important that you do keep some of those guys, but at the same time, if it comes at the expense of maybe getting a guy like Amari Cooper or or getting, like, a big-time draft pick, then I think sacrifices must be made. You know, I mean, um, 
you want to keep those guys around, and I understand that, but you also need the talented guys because this roster right now won three games last and, year. And and that's I, the most important thing. Yeah, and I feel this way, by the way. If you get Amari Cooper, if you get Devontae Adams, if you got Mike Williams, I don't think you're keeping DJ Shark. You're not paying 30 something million for receivers. Then you go draft the guy. So now you got this expensive guy and you got a rook as well. Yeah. And then your other guys that, that add depth to your roster that are bad. And, and you're pretty good at that position. So it'll be very interesting to see the dominoes fall. And by the way, they're about to fall. Free agency is on the verge, folks. Like this isn't, hey, Cowboys might release Amari Cooper in like three, four weeks or two months. No, it's like in the next 10 days. Yeah. We'll see what happens. We'll be back. We're live at TPC Sawgrass on a beautiful Friday on ESPN 690. Uh, I just know uh, <laughs> I just know nobody can run with me. I don't know no 40 time or nothing. I just know nobody can run with me. Just say just say whatever uh, the fastest 40 time here, I'm faster than that. <laughs> it's good confidence. I like it. Uh, who is that, Brian? I don't know who it is, but I like yeah, it. I have no idea. Yeah. Is that not Jameson, a uh, Jameson Williams, the receiver yeah. out of Alabama. Oh, that was Jameson Williams? Yeah, got injured oh, okay. towards ACL. Yeah, that's Man, him. can you imagine if he popped the time? Because he was already maybe a top 10 guy. Yeah, yeah. And then if he popped the time, he, it was, yeah. wow. Yeah. Uh, I tell you now, that's worth, that That might be worth, depending on how much he slips, jumping back in and getting. It worked out for Tennessee a couple years ago when they got the, uh, what's his name? AJ Brown? No. Oh. Uh, not at receiver. Defensive lineman. Uh, oh. But the uh, ACL had some issues, and he's played really Simmons? well. Simmons, Simmons, yeah, Jeffrey yeah, Simmons. Jefferson. Uh, and they jumped back in, and he was out. Remember, they were yep. going to lose him all year. Now, Jameson Williams, like, he thinks he's going to be back, like, in time for camp. Yeah. These ACLs, I mean, these injuries these days. Like, these guys all think they're going to be back. But, I, I, I think if you, you just have to be cautious as a team to know or to lean on that, to think that. But, listen, you draft a guy, you're not really just concerned about the first two months of his career. I mean, you draft the guy in the first round, second round, to hopefully have for four to seven, eight years, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not a short-term buy. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> so that's no, why the ACL doesn't bother me that much. And I know what everybody's saying. It hasn't bothered Trent Paulke either over the years. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, he actually probably prefers it. But Value. I, I do think, I think there is some value in that. Like mm -hmm. in a Jameson Williams, jumping back in at 25 if he's still available and getting that guy. And not even worrying about him for the first six, seven weeks of the year, and then but having him for the remainder. Okay, but, and, I, and I'm not saying you're wrong here, but let me ask you this: If it is about the development of Trevor Lawrence and getting him the weapons needed, you would take Jameis Williams, let's say, at 25 in a perfect world, over maybe a guy that can come in right away, you know, day one of training camp, probably get a, you know, depending who you get in free agency, if it's Amari Cooper, you know take up that that two spot or that three spot, whenever the case may be, uh, by week one, then he's ready to roll. You'd rather have Jameson Williams over him? It, I guess I would have to see what I separate him on the board. You know, like, I, I don't, if there's a close, pretty close, I understand what you're saying, and I think, I just don't know how they rank. I mean, again, Jameson Williams, if he doesn't get hurt, is like maybe the seventh overall pick in the draft. No, I mean, he's... That's he's, a big difference between the 33rd overall pick yeah. and the seventh overall pick. I, I mean, like, and again, like, I get it. This wide receiver class, it, it's vast. And, and, you know, I mean, Olave, I think, made some money for himself as well. So Seems like it. So would he be the first one taken? But, like, it would be between him and, I think, uh, Jameson Williams. But, um, no, I mean, I, I agree with you from that standpoint. But do you think, like, it, he would be that high taken over? It would be like a guy like Olave. Uh, no. Okay. I, th that's a good call. Like, I think Olave would be 
because I think he's very good, too. I think his track record is good. I think he, he might have worked himself to be a top-20 pick anyway. And again, so then I'd say the separation between the Jameson Williams and Olave, maybe not. But how about the Dotson kid from Penn State? Sure. Is that a significant one? Maybe that's more significant, potentially. Uh, you know, is it the Bell kid from was it, was it Purdue, right? Yeah. Uh, is it one of those guys? Well, now I think there's a separation. I think there's a difference. And so, uh, listen, Trevor's been through a lot already. I think being without a receiver for two months is, is the least of the All things right. that they've set him up to fail with so far. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, by the way, you could draft anybody, and they could be hurt for two months anyway, right? I mean, it's no, a little sure. bit of a risky take. Yeah. So um, I get what you're saying, though. It, it'll be interesting to see if that factors in um, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But we are getting blown away a little bit at the combine. Like we said, it's like we can't help ourselves, right? Yeah. It's like a guilty pleasure. The 40-yard dash, the... Uh, whether it's the bench press, whether it's interviews. I mean, Neil on the microphone, Aquanu on the oh, microphone. Neil, like, I'm Neil buying his, everything. Everybody's I mean, yeah, selling. But Neil with his shirt off, like, Twitter went crazy for a little bit with Evan Neil with his shirt off, you know, at that side angle. I mean, okay, I, I guess. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he looks lean. Got it. You know, like a lot of football players look pretty lean. They're, they're football players and professionals. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, people love to take – you know, the numbers and the images and, 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 and the videos and the gifts, and they run wild with it. So where was, where, Where's my broad jump? I, that didn't run wild. <laughs> yeah. Wondering what the hell happened there. Uh, the, the, well, I guess that one dude did from uh, Dallas. He had the broad jump. Remember yeah. like the 12-3? Yeah, yeah, Denzel 12, Ward, was it? Uh, or is it Denzel Ward? That's it? I don't know. Okay, the, the, the guy from, yeah. I don't know. I think he went, from, he went to UConn, went to Dallas then. Um, nah, it wouldn't have been Ward, though. No? I don't think so. No. Okay. Uh, I think I know what you're talking about. Too. No, I not can't put a name on it. Yeah. Uh, we'll figure it out. Okay. But anyway, they, they listen, I think this is fun stuff right now. It's less – I think we know there are a lot of good football players. Byron Jones, by the way. Byron Jones, yeah. who now is yeah. in Miami. Correct. Uh, I think there's a lot of good football players. The depth of this draft will be interesting to see. The depth of the athlete is crystal clear. There's plenty of athletes. But make you're fast, you test well, all that does not mean you're a good football player and going to be good in the NFL. Like – that's what we have to check ourselves at. That's what we have to remind ourselves at. There's been plenty of workout warriors. There's also been plenty of people that have t tested very well and gone on to great careers. There's more to it than your 40 time, than your interview, than everything else. That's the job of the teams, to put the pieces of the puzzle together and find out who those guys are going to be. One of the fastest guys I remember around here, uh, it was, did you play with Witherspoon, cornerback, uh, really light guy. He was probably like 160 pounds, okay. and he, he was returning kicks. I don't Weatherspoon think so. or Witherspoon. I, don't think I remember so. him, and he could flat out fly, man. Yeah. And we're like, man, can't wait to watch this guy return kicks. Can't wait to watch him do this. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you, you like two hand touched him, and he fell down. So <laughs> like, it was like, okay, that was fun. Yeah, like yeah, he returned yeah. it 18 yards from the end zone. Great. Yeah, yeah. And he fell down. <laughs> you know, like very. That's the that's the one thing about speed in the NFL. Is I do think, I've said this example before. Tyree Kill is fast. Yeah. But you're also not going to just shove him five yards. Yeah. He's got some build to him. He's got a physicality to him. Yeah. You have to be able to have that part. You cannot just be a track star Correct. and play in the NFL. And I think people do misconstrue that sometimes. You don't have that much open field. It's still small spaces. Yeah. And quite frankly, how you start and stop, like Tyreek Hill, is almost more important than straight line speed anyway. Because how many times are you straight line speeding? In the NFL. Let, let, let me ask you this. You got you remember a guy by the name of Antoine Blake? 
Uh, yeah, I do remember. Yeah, so when I was here, he was arguably the fastest guy on the team. I think he ran at his pro day. It was like a 4-2-8, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, I, and I forgot who we raced in practice one day, but he was, I mean, he's the fastest guy that we had. But like you were kind of saying, a short, smaller guy, but he had undeniable speed. But, you know, that, that only got him so far. He had a, a little still with the Jaguars. Actually, um, started at cornerback, if I'm not mistaken, for the Pittsburgh Steelers for a couple of years, and now he's out of the league. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. We're, we're speed is... See, to me, speed, more than anything, whether it's the bench press, whether it's even, like, the Jody drills, speed should get your attention, right? Like, when, when you see the 4-2s, the 4-3s, like, that gets your attention. If you watch Chris Olave last night run his 40-yard dash, that got your attention. Yeah. Now the next goal would be, okay, well, I know who this guy is now. Let me go watch his film. Because I always say this, the film is the most important thing that you can have coming out of college into the NFL. It's what scouts, GMs, coaches look at the most. They're going to watch your combine maybe a couple of times of how you ran, and then they're on to the, the video once again. So, like, I think the speed and the, the, the numbers, they get you to the door, right? Like, they, they get you known, but then what gets you, you know, the, the, the prize at the end of the tunnel, which is that contract, is what you put on film. And if you watch Chris Olave, obviously he's got the film to back it up. I think a lot of these receivers do, um, and that's where you make your money is from the film. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I think the interviews have been really good at the combine, too. I mean, you got, like, offensive line, say, line guys saying, uh, whether it's guard, I think it was a guard. I, I caught him saying, uh, "Yeah, I, I, I like um, dominate three techniques. <laughs> like yeah, that's yeah, his yeah. specialty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? yep. Like these guys are savvy, man. Now they kind of know what to say and what gets you excited. And uh, like, kind of goes back to a little bit of yesterday. We were talking about like how these prospects are. Malik Willis, you know, doing that nice deed in, yeah. in Indianapolis. Everybody saw it's gone viral. And but I do think there's another part of this. They're very savvy. They're smart. They're smart players, first of all. Um, you know that has changed. It, it used to be a stigma that they weren't right uh, football players. And right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, but there was that stigma. That's what, I know. Uh, people like to say that, uh, yeah. and not just football players, but dumb no, jocks. You know. Yeah, and so, it's the way but that's it. not it. Like that's not even close to it. And, and and players now are more articulate. They're more about their brand. They know they're a business. They're all these things. And so it's funny to watch them not be shy. Yeah. At like the combine. I mean, even offensive linemen, defensive linemen, who are kind of usually, like, I would label them as mean, quiet guys. Sure. You know, outside yeah. of, like, pass rushers. They're a little crazy sometimes. We, but, we are crazy, uh, yes, yes. But, yes. you know, like, these guys are putting on smiles, and it's like they're putting on shows on the microphone. and Not everyone, yeah. but a lot no, more of them. And yeah. I, I think it's kind of refreshing. I think it's kind of no, cool, actually. everyone's um You know, everyone's kind of got their own persona, their own swag going on these days. But, no, I mean, you make up a great point here because I remember <laughs> – I remember when I got drafted, um, you know, and, and I might have called into the station. It wasn't this one. It might have been in a different station. <laughs> but but I remember Tony Baselli was, uh, was was doing that. I forgot like, what the show was, but it was Tony Baselli, <laughs> and it might have been Lagerman, but I'm, whatever the case may be. Okay. But, uh, it was probably a Jack show. But right? I remember yeah. talking to Baselli, though, and uh, it's right when I got drafted, and Baselli was like, hey, so how excited are you? And I remember like, the very first thing I said to him was, I can't wait to come in here and cause as much pain as possible for a opposing <laughs> quarterback. You know, because, like, that's that's what coaches were looking for. You know, coaches looking for are saying, hey, if you don't draft me, your quarterback's going to be, you know, cursing you out because I just heard him. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what the whole image was is, like, if you don't draft me, you're going to be sorry because your guy's going to get hurt. And I think a lot of guys from, you know, my draft class or close to those years kind of shared those same sentiments, at least from a defensive line standpoint. But everybody kind of had that edge on their shoulder. 
I think nowadays when you see, um, you know, whether it's the quarterback position, offensive lineman, like you discussed, I think guys are a little more themselves than ever before. You know, I think that's kind of the, the landscape of coach having to change it up a little bit too. I mean, you can't that's true. really rule with an iron fist anymore yeah. like the, maybe that's they true. did back in 2010. But in doing so, I think the players have lightened up a little bit as well. Well, I think it goes back to brand is big, right? I mean, yeah. these guys are their own entity. And another thing, the NFL, even up until a few years back, even when you were coming into it, there's this, like, cloak of secrecy, mm. you know? And it's like, okay, how secret is the NFL really? It's football. But yeah. everybody wanted that. And it's and I think there was, like, oh, I don't know what to expect. Like, for you coming in, like, I don't know what to expect. See, I think that's changed in 10 years. I think these guys know exactly what to expect. I think the agents know what to expect, so they tell them what to expect. Yeah. I think their college coaches know what to expect, so they tell them what to expect. I think they all have buddies they work out with or have been to the league or have visited campus 100 different times because they're coming from Alabama and LSU and all these places that they know exactly what to expect. Now, it might be a little different for guys like really you yeah. coming from Murray State where you know it's not a funnel of guys coming all no. the time. But yeah, No, and I agree with you here, but I think what has changed the most is back when I was coming out, I think peers and my opponents looked at me as a competition. Like this guy from Murray State coming in trying to take my job. He's trying to take food off of my kid's table. Yeah, yeah. Nowadays, it seems like the general consensus, whether, you know, regardless of the position is, hey, I'm going to help you along because if you make it, then we all make it. You know, so it's almost like it's more of, of a camaraderie yeah, that's thing point. Um, than Root ever before. I mean, look, yeah. look, look, look at, like, uh, Titan University. Like, Titan University yeah. didn't exist 10 years ago or 14 years ago when, when I played. You know, I mean, like, we heard Von Miller work with uh, Yannick Ngakwe. Like, yeah. you know, everyone's kind of... Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, everyone now is kind of working together and trying to bring out the best of everybody. We didn't really have that when I was coming out. That's a that's a really good call. And by the way, I I see that in youth sports all the time too. Yeah. In in the on this level, the level like where my kids are at, mm-hmm. like so many, like I, I think the it's nature of people is it's competitive, right? So yeah. you want to beat them, but there's all which is really cool to see. Like I love it. Like uh, you, and I mean we see it all the time now. But you're rooting for them, um, and because the kids are close, and it's not like hey, I want to be better than hey, I like to beat you, like yeah, to have yeah, a few yeah. bragging rights. Yeah, there's yeah. certainly that element. Yeah. But it's not like. I'm never talking to you again if I lose no, to you. Like, it did feel like, listen, no, that, I mean, I, I didn't, I play, it was different because we didn't play against a lot of kids like that I grew up with, not sure. like today does, um, especially down here because of the zoning and all this stuff. But, I mean, I knew some of the kids on some of the other teams, and I don't like them at all. And if I didn't lose to them, it's not like I was talking to them later. <laughs> yeah, but, of yeah, course, yeah. we didn't have phones to go text them either of as well. Of course, we're so staying in touch with each other. Yeah, yeah, it's just a little different. But I was yeah. like, I mean, I'm still mad about losing a couple of those games. <laughs> For sure. You know what I mean? For sure. But I think I'm there the is way. certainly an element to that. Like, I think you're right. I think people – today's athlete is not a jealous athlete. No. Today's athlete is an athlete – that wants to give back, see their peers do well, yeah. see them make money because which, they know what's good for them is good for me as well. Which is so wild because we talk about the modern athlete, it doesn't matter the sport, and we always use the, the phrase selfish a little bit when yeah. we describe a lot of these athletes. Um, you know, and, and maybe in some realms you could say that, but I think you bring up you know the, the great statement where they want to see each other make it, you yeah. know, and that's the benefit, and I, and I agree with that as well. So, like, okay, you can go ahead and call them selfish, but at the same time, they... That they don't care like, what, what their peers are doing. They want to see their peers make it. Yeah. And, and that it hasn't always been like that at any level of sports. Yeah, and I do think a little element of, of that is what we're seeing actually in Major League Baseball right now. Mm-hmm. We've seen, as the players have gotten more power in sports, we've seen more of it's us against the establishment. Yes. Seen a little bit here in the golf world, too, you yeah. know? Uh, a little bit. That's the whole Phil Mickelson thing. Yep. And so not everybody follows suit, but 
that's the way it is. That's changed a lot, uh, and I think mostly maybe because of the dollars that are made now. Uh, that's really helped change that. We're live at TBC Sawgrass. If you check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, just take a look. I mean, we're not beautiful, but everything behind us certainly is. I was just thinking about this, Brent. I think we're going to have the very first slam poetry reading at the Poyer Championship. I, well, I thought about that earlier. It's going to yeah. be a live performance. Well, there's going to be an audience here. I don't like that at all. <laughs> yeah, live Because I'm going to be going crazy, man. People are going to be wondering what I'm doing. So I it's going to be intimidating. We'll be back. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Live from the Players' Championship here on a Friday. I'm not the biggest guy, I'm not the strongest guy, and I'm not the fastest guy. So when you realize that, just like Von Miller, you have to figure out what's going to give you that edge. And for me, my mind is what gives me that edge. And, I'm, you know, I'm a chess player, so thinking moves ahead, right? How can I, you know, set the game and dictate what uh, the offensive tackle does so that I can get what I want out of the situation? I think that's Aiden Hutchinson. What do, I, what do you think? Am I right? You'd be wrong, sir. That's uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. Thibodeau, yep, yep, got it. Wait a minute. The yep. future multiple-time All-Pro. Yep. That's really? a point for me. That's yeah. a point for me. Yep. He said he's not so the biggest, sense. fastest, all those guys. I mean, I guess he compared himself to... I mean, I mean the guy's a freaky he's athlete, humble. isn't he? Get off him. He's humble. I didn't even hear the audio. <laughs> I mean, he's basically saying he's like... I mean, he's he's like a freaky athlete. And yes. he was kind of saying, yeah, I got to use... You say now it's a chess match. Yeah. By the way, you ever hear Thibodeau talk before yeah. this? Uh, no, Super, I can't say like, I mean, maybe I have. Super I don't know. smart. Or yeah. Like, he was the one that talked about why he didn't go to Alabama and said he went to Oregon. Okay. And he said something like, uh, Oregon, I know Phil Knight is going to take care of everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think it was but something I, that's that point, what. Yeah. It's, it's phrases like that that make you out of question, Brent. Does he love football or not? You know, That's what they're going to ask. Because if you love football, you go to Alabama. You know, if you, if you love jersey combinations, then you go to Oregon. If I'm the, kidding, obviously. If the Jags took Kayvon Thibodeau, yeah. would you be excited? Yeah, I'd have to be excited about the possibilities. Absolutely. Um, Brian Middleton. Yes. Would you be excited? Absolutely. I I am a fan of his completely now. Uh, like you were saying, I hadn't really heard his heard him in like in an interview setting or like quickly in a post game. He he's very uh, he comes off very intelligent. I think he's a real student of the game. There's another uh, sound uh, that I didn't pull, but he was talking about how he thinks three moves ahead. And then he was talking about each move just for an example. And I'm like, I think he really does that. He would be, he's going to be a star. I'm a prisoner of the moment because I just <laughs> heard him. And, like he, and he practiced all of these responses, I'm sure. Uh, but I think he's going to be a star. He'd be well, great here. All right, Brent, here he goes. Come right in the parade. You're not a big Thibodeau fan. I can already tell where this is going. No, I, I, oh. I think I would be. I think I would okay. be excited. Because I'm, I'm kind of um, – I'm, I'm with Middleton there a little bit. I, I'm like, okay, these guys do get me excited the way they talk. Like, their talking game is big. Their yeah. talking game is good. I like – I don't know how it's going to pan out, but I think he knows what he is and can be. And if, if he speaks it into existence, that's great. Like, I think he does have something to prove. I think some people have knocked him a little bit. He plays in Oregon. You know, he's not, like, on top of everybody's mind. Not a lot of people have seen every rep he takes. Uh, so I think there's something to that where he might have a chip. And his upside, to me, of the four players the Jags could take, he has the upside of being the best, like, easily. 
But the reason why I don't think they're going to take him, or I'm not sure I'll advocate the Jags for taking him, is let's be honest, the trend has not been for the Jags to pick the right guy. And so <laughs> I'm not sure they're going to get that upside. I think I might rather go with a safer play with one of those offensive linemen. Um, but, I mean, he, he intrigues the heck out of me. And they they might be passing up a future Hall of Famer, quite frankly. Well, and see, and this is the thing. I think if we stick to the edge rushers, if you get Hutchinson and his name is called, once his name is called, I, I will breathe a sigh of relief because, okay, I think you got a great edge rusher, and year one, I think he could be special. And he, he could be special for years and years to come. If you call Thibodeau, I'm going to be maybe leery of that first season, but I'm still going to be excited because if you teach him to play the game the right way, because this guy is still raw, he's still very young. Um, Hutchinson has far more experience playing at the collegiate level. But if you put him in the right system, you teach him the game of football at the professional level, then I think the ultimate boom potential is there for Thibodeau. And that would just be as excited if they got Hutchinson. So um, I think there's, there's things to like about both guys. But if you want to risk it for the biscuit, you know, and, and scared money don't make money, then I think Thibodeau is going to be your answer. Yeah, and listen, I think this is, this is what fascinates me about the process, and I understand I've covered it long enough. But if you go back two months ago, nobody was really talking about, oh, let's go a little further. Uh, we're in March. So let's go four months ago. Yeah. So the middle of the football season and the NFL's college season. I don't think people are talking about Evan Neal in a Quanu to the Jags yeah. or to the number one. They're talking about Thibodeau as being the best player in the draft. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Hutchinson goes and gets three sacks against Ohio State, and now they're talking about him. Yeah. And now the Jags are number one pick. Protect Trevor Lawrence is a big thing, even though you have Walker Little, and now we're talking about Neal in a Quanu. So it's fascinating to me how it changes. I understand it changes. Like That happens every year. But, I mean, if you go back four months ago and this was the guy, and now all of a sudden, like, I see a mock to, like, number eight. Now, why does that do that? Because people get more intel. Yeah. You know, they're, they're looking at themselves and their film, and they're looking at the guy that they know, and then they start getting intel. And my guess is, not as everybody is as hot on Thibodeau from a personnel standpoint in the NFL as maybe the mock drafters were back in, like, October. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, I don't think we should lose sight of that, though. I think right now if you were to gauge and rate who the Jags would take. I'm, I'm not convinced number Thibodeau wouldn't come in at number four and who the people think they would take. Yeah. But I'm also with you guys saying, I think I'd be pretty damn excited if they took him. No, I mean, I'm with not fingers with, crossed. Yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed. You know, it's, it, it's such a weird thing because, and once again, I, I say this with the prerequisite because I, I assume here that we're going to make the right decision. But if it's Evan Neal, if it's Thibodeau, if it's Hutchinson, or if it's uh, Iquanu, or the, yeah, Iquanu. Yeah, yeah, you got it. I mean, I feel like you can't go wrong with any of those guys. I think there's stuff to like about every one of those guys, right? So if we're talking about the number one pick and they don't trade down, if it's one of those four guys, like, yeah, it's not going to be as sexy as an edge rusher if you get offensive tackle, and I understand that, and I, I don't have to come around to that. Like, I wouldn't be necessarily upset with that. Yeah, I, like it's, it, I mean, uh, I get it. There's a lot of possibilities, but I think it's hard to mess up, at least not be excited about one of these guys. Yeah, and by the way, I will still make the case, and I believe this, the Jags need a pass rusher right now more than they need an offensive tackle. This is true. I think they, that's a bigger upgrade for their football team. I think that's undeniable. Yeah. But you always can use offensive linemen, and yeah. especially if you think this guy's going to be here for 10 years. Yeah. Like, that factors in. I get that. All right, we're live at TPC Sawgrass Stadium. Of course, Players Championship on the horizon next week. The fan shop, by the way, open tomorrow and Sunday, really today, five, but tomorrow and Sunday, 10 a.m. until 4 p.m. More from the players, more football talk. 
that all going on until 6 o'clock right here on ESPN 690. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Say big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money. 